Well, you heard the reading for tonight. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. It seems a little out of place for the season of Lent. After all, isn't Lent a penitential time, a time of reflection, a time of reverence, a time that we ponder the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he made for us, all it took to remove our sin. And yet we have a word, rejoice. Paul saying rejoice. Paul was dealing with a situation that wasn't really something to rejoice in. He was dealing with conflict. Conflict can cause a lot of problems in our lives. It can cause anxiousness. That's why Paul says do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious, the word is merimatea. It means to have a divided mind, to be in conflict in your own mind, pulled in two directions, anxious over things that are happening, anxious for the problems that we're dealing with. David's mind was in conflict. David's mind was divided. David was pulled in all sorts of directions. David was in agony over his sin. And it wasn't just simply that Nathan had come and told him the story of what had transpired uh, in his kingdom that made him so upset when he heard that he was the one who had done this very thing. There was more to it than that. You see, Nathan told David there will be consequences to your sin. It isn't just the fact that you've sinned against God. Nathan told him, the sword, David, will never depart from your household. As you took up the sword to have Uriah killed, so you will live with the sword in conflict in your house forever. Not only that, David, you know what you did with Bathsheba to commit adultery? That's going to happen in your household again. In broad daylight, there will be shame brought on your house. Oh, and by the way, David, because of what you've done, you're not going to get to fulfill the desire of your heart for the Lord. You are not going to get to build his sanctuary, the place of his dwelling. And then finally, maybe the greatest blow to David, a child is going to die, the child that you and Bathsheba had. David was in conflict. David was in agony. David couldn't seem to find rejoicing anywhere in that. And yet we hear those words that Paul speaks to us. He says rejoice in everything. How are we to rejoice when a situation like that comes upon us? How are we to rejoice in conflict when our minds are divided? You see, the battle of sin is always in our minds. The battle that we come to in the realization that when we have sin, when we have guilt, when we are like David, we cannot remove it. We cannot take it away. We are not God. We are not in control. That alone creates conflict in our lives because we so want to fix the problem or make it go away, but we can't, and neither could David. And so David laid out before the Lord his plea, his plea to have these things change, things that he could not control, things that caused him such agony. Let's look at that verse tonight, the verse that we come upon. Let's say this together. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy. <coughs> Excuse me, a little dry. 
David used that word, cleanse me with hyssop. Why did he use that? What did hyssop have to do with David's cleansing? Well, first of all, hyssop had four things in David's mind as he thought about his sin and his guilt. First of all, hyssop was what was used to purify someone if they had become unclean by touching a corpse, or to purify someone if they had been co- become unclean by touching someone who was leprous. That was what was used to do that. Hyssop was also used on that great day of atonement when the high priest would take the sprig of hyssop and dip it in the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it on the people to symbolize and to take away their sins as God had promised in this ritual. But hyssop had also been used during the Passover. It was what was used to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel so that the angel of death would pass over. And David saying, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. He's saying, this is the extent of my impurity, of what I have done. You know, I don't think David wrote this psalm all at one time. I think David wrote it in a series of days. In fact, seven days, the scriptures tell us. Not that he wrote it, but seven days, David lamented. He lamented over the fact that the child he and Bathsheba had had was dying. And he put on sackcloth and ashes. And he begged the Lord to spare the life of that child, to be gracious to him day after day, night after night on his face before the Lord, realizing that he could not change the situation, that only God could intervene. Only God could be gracious. David was impure. David needed to be clean. He needed to be washed. And so we come to that second verse. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. You know, have you ever felt so dirty that showers and baths might not be able to get you clean. Something has happened in your life. Such an internal stain, such an internal conflict, such something that makes you so anxious that you just can't get rid of it. You can't get it out of your mind. Well, that's David. Makes you think of Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed when he put on those garments and got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet. Do you remember when he came to Peter and Peter said, Lord, You're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. You see, Peter, you need this cleansing. You need to be washed from outside. You need what I have come to bring. Or that picture in Revelation that we have of the, the multitude that no one could number standing before the throne and before the Lamb in white, robes that are whiter than snow because they've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and have been made clean. David is longing for that type of cleanliness. Cleanliness down into his very soul, into his very being because of what has happened, because of what he's brought not only on his nation and on his family, but what he's brought now on this child by his sin. And then finally, David says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. You see, there's that word, rejoice. 
Let me hear some joy and gladness. Let it not be the rest of my life in agony here. Let it not just be sorrow and darkness and bitterness and hopelessness. Let me know, Lord, that there's something else and the bones that you have crushed. Isn't that interesting that David says the bones you have crushed? You ever crush a bone or ever break a bone, ever do that? It's a pretty painful thing. Not something that you'd want to rejoice in. I did it once, crushed a finger. We had a sidewalk outside one of our house that the drain pipe had eroded underneath and so the sidewalk had collapsed so I was gonna fix it. So I got one slab up and got the other slab up and was smart enough to say, hey, dirt and sand's gonna wash out again. Let's put some rocks in here, some big rocks. And so I did that and filled it up with gravel and got one slab down. And then as I was bringing the other slab down, I wasn't quick enough to realize that, oh, you really don't need your fingers under the slab when it comes down on the other rock. And let me tell you, what do you think gave between cement and rock? My hand, it blew it out. It just blew the side of my finger totally out, crushed it. Pain, agony, it hurt. Had to go to the hospital, get it fixed. I didn't want to rejoice. But David says, Lord, the bones you have crushed. You see, that blow to David, not because God has inflicted it on him, but because he has so sinned, he has so broken this covenant, he has so broken the relationship with God that it might as well have crushed his bones and wiped him out. And he wants to rejoice. He wants to know that there's hope. He wants to know that there's a future. And he can't bring it about. You see, David knows that only God can bring it about. Only God is the one who can do this, who can make rejoicing come from such a dire situation. And you see, that's David's hope. That's David's prayer. That's why Paul can say rejoice in everything. That's why we can say rejoice in everything. No matter what comes upon us, no matter what happens, no matter the agony in our life, we know that God can bring about in our life and will bring about in our life change. Change in some way, change for the good, though we may not see it, change for the future, maybe even if it is the ultimate healing to be taken, to be with the Lord forever. But there will be someday rejoicing. What about us when we sin? How do we deal with it? Do we say the words of lamentation that David says, or are we more like the character in Tolstoy's War and Peace, Pierre, who finally has to come to grips with his sin in one place and says these words, Lord, I have sinned, but I have a number of excellent excuses. Don't we sometimes say that in our minds? Are we willing to accept the consequences of what we have done, of the things that have come upon us, knowing that even in spite of the things we have done, God is able to bring about a change, to bring hope, to bring joy someday, to restore us in His faithfulness, not ours. You see, we can be anxious in those situations, divided in our mind, wondering, will God do anything? Wondering if it will change. But the faithfulness that we celebrate in Jesus Christ coming to the cross is a faithfulness that cannot be shaken, that doesn't divide the mind, but unifies it into one single thing. 
God has redeemed me. By the blood of Jesus Christ coming into this world, I can rejoice in all situations. I have been bound to him through my baptism. I have hope and life and a future. And David, looking forward to the promise of that Messiah to come, held on to the exact same thing. It wasn't going to happen now. It wasn't going to happen in those seven days. But the day would come that there would be rejoicing and God would bring it about in David's life. And he would be the king restored once again. You see, that was his hope. And that is our hope. Hope in the one who has come for us, for you and for me, and who has redeemed us, bought us with a price, and gives us life eternal. May we ever rejoice in that. Amen.